Messy mon messy Mondays. Your girl show me. Your girl Marley Mar. Hey everybody, happy Monday. It is episode number 41. Monday. Happy Monday. Welcome back. How's your how was your weekend? My weekend was pretty fantastic. I cannot complain. I actually went to a um, uh, an event. My uh, good friend of mine, um, Raquel, she hosted an event called the Art Box in Wynwood, and she is starting something new, which is a space where people can kind of hang out, listen to live music, live band, um, also look at artwork from local artists here in Miami, all while networking and having some free beer. Um, very, <laughs> free beer always brings in the people. <laughs> very now, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. like everything is all about beer right now and networking and art. Yes. So that's like yes. now, you know what I'm saying? So she, sh- shout out to her. She, she had a great turnout. It was a good time. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be a second one because it was a good event and it's called the Art Box, guys. Make sure to check it out. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Speaking of art, this weekend I was driving to a Whole Foods and I noticed right next door to the Whole Foods was a Michael's art place. Okay. I went in there and bought myself some canvases and some extra paint and some brushes. And I'm not an actual, I've, and I do like to paint. Okay. I am not an artist whatsoever. Wow, let me find out. I didn't know this side of you. Oh, yeah. Okay. I even had literally, I've in my old apartment, because I couldn't afford to actually buy paintings, even if it's like cheap, like Walmart ones, I didn't like any of them. And then at the same time, I didn't want to buy it because I didn't like it. So I would buy some canvases and have some paint and then just paint it something myself. Wow. A gold square and like extra stuff. Like I would just paint it myself and hang it up. And so... Our friend Jasmine from right, Florida. Right. And if you're looking for an artist, look up Jasmine. 129, I think. 129 yeah. on Instagram. She's a bomb-ass artist. And her paintings came in for me that I've ordered from her, and I love them. Yes, they were so nice. I definitely look, saw that you posted it. Yeah, and I absolutely love them. And then I like to just, I think I like the feeling, like the textural feeling of the brush, the canvas, you know, doing something, but I'm not an artist whatsoever. So I bought <laughs> myself some stuff um, at the Michaels that just opened and just messing around. That's pretty cool. And I'm cool. pretending to be an artist. You must so. post when you're done, the before no. and after, the, no. the blank canvas. Yes, you no. have to. You just said it on the podcast. Like, <laughs> you, you, you have to do the blank canvas and then, like, the after. You have to. Absolutely not. Not happening. <laughs> That's not happening, people. She, uh, you know, Jasmine actually came with me last night to the event. Oh, really? So, yeah, That's she, nice. was, she was my date. So it was a, it was a, it was a <laughs> great night. And uh, she's actually, I looked up her, her IG because she's an acrylic artist, guys. And we both love her very much. And if you guys support Absolutely. her, it would mean a lot to both of us. Yes. Um, it's Jasmine, J-A-S-M-I-N dot one two nine on instagram and check out her work she's pretty cool she has a lot of really dope stuff she has a lot of dope stuff and then she's this is everything that she does and she's grown so much in her art since she's continually doing it agreed so i love that and you should support people in their artwork mm-hmm. like support people in their passions and things like that so right. definitely shout out something positive yeah and like it and something that like i don't want to say achievable but like it's not far in the distance it's something of a skill set Right. Like it's a skill. You have this skill and ability to do something. So I'm supporting you in that because that's just going to extend 
your skills right, right. and continue your growth. And she's actually, I think, working on a mural right now for like a hair salon. And um, if anyone wants to get, has a business or a space, especially out here in Miami, I'm sure that there's a lot of people opening up stuff. And, you know, it's part of the trend of being an entrepreneur. Um, she, she does like custom um, portraits on walls as well, if you guys are interested in doing that. Pretty cool. Awesome. Love it. Shout outs to Jasmine. <laughs> I haven't been home in a while, so I can't wait to see her soon when I get out there. Yeah. But definitely support your local friends and local artists. And I love that. So Artbox sounds amazing. Yeah, pretty cool. Definitely, for sure. Well, last week was a great episode. Episode 40. Episode 40, we had Sydney on the show, who is a fashion student, fashion blogger out of uh, Denver, correct? Denver, Colorado. I think also Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. Ooh, all of that. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. The it word is. Boulder, Colorado just sounds like really a really beautiful place. Like I sounds just envision American. It's <laughs> <laughs> you just envision flannel or something. Yes. <laughs> and beer and beards. You know what and I'm be- saying? Ooh, some good <laughs> beards. You ever seen a guy who you'd be like, don't shave your face whatsoever? Oh my God. And when they shave it, you're like, why did you shave? <laughs> I had a, I have a coworker and I looked at him. I said, you don't look the same. Like I can't find you in public because you don't look who you are because you shaved your face. Yes. And, it's and he not was a like, I was, yeah. And he's like, I was just growing it for a part, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, keep the part because <laughs> I, I loved your face with the beard. Yeah. And one coworker guy was like, I don't even remember what my face looks like without the beard. Right. So I'm gonna keep this. But it's like, it's like a Scott Disick. Tell me Scott Disick did not become way better looking <laughs> once he let his beard grow. It's like, that is whoa. a fact. There's some people that that, they just helps their face so much. It does. It extends their face. It makes everything just more. I don't. There's something about it. It gives a little bit more detail or like more structure to a man's face. Like James Harden. Have you seen what James Harden looks like without the beard? No. That's a no go. How long ago was that that he didn't have a beard? I don't know. But don't Google it because it'll like freak you out a little bit because um what makes men attractive is the chisel on their uh chin and like their yes. jaw lines is what makes men attractive that's what makes a masculine male look more masculine so when a man doesn't have a strong jaw the beard mm-hmm. gives that illusion so um for those of you who are struggling <laughs> grow your beard you're gonna look more masculine yeah definitely grow the beard and keep it trimmed make sure nothing falls into there condition it Yes, con- not con- like untangle, condition, Conditioning. trim, just slight trims, make it yes. nice. Yes, like go, take care, self care, people. Yes, self care, and that includes men and do facials. Yes, scrubs into mm-hmm. the skin because that's what happens to men too. They don't know what that skin looks like underneath that beard. Yeah, yeah, because they've had it for so long. So, mm-hmm. where were we prior to that? Oh, Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that was our segment of uh, beard. Um, <laughs> oh, beard I wish we had an ad to fill in with there with some sort of product for men to Gillette. take care of. <laughs> if you're looking for a sponsor, let us know. We yeah. can help it out. But Boulder, Colorado and Sin- Sydney, we appreciate her for being on the show. We're excited. To, again, people with skill sets and talents and things like that. So right. definitely happy to continue to support her um, in her journey of it. Uh she was awesome to have on the show. Absolutely. Very sweet girl. Very, oh my God, so sweet. Super sweet. And um, I know that we also chimed in on the Nicki Minaj 
um, clackback season with uh, a person who is not even another rapper. She basically was bullying a person with their own opinion on Twitter. And um, I know that we have something really interesting to chime in. We were just talking and and I can't wait until you share with everybody what happened. Yeah. So as you guys know, I usually post when a new episode is up and, you know, things like that. And we definitely had an artwork for Sydney and we had artwork for the Nicki Minaj post as well. And I tag Juana, which is the girl who um, was on Twitter and had the criticism about Nicki Minaj and just kind of saying the like... And <laughs> like, you know, she just pretty much said, imagine if just Nikki's content was just mature content as a woman kind of aspect, um, which we all agreed upon. Um, and so she definitely reached out via Instagram to me and said, thank you so much. I'm excited to listen. And she's going to dive in, uh, deep into the episode. But it felt great that she appreciated us appreciating her and her comments and things like that and really having her back for it so shout out to listen thank you for one more stream that's awesome (laughs) one more stream to go um so shout outs to her and then it's just funny that week just continued to be the week of Nicki minaj in some way i know you're right because people were talking about um that new song that came out with the rainbow headed boy it's a good song marley i'm sorry it is again I, I'm not mad at the like it's okay of a song like it's not the fire I mean he it's himself not, it's was said what are the words I'm saying you know what I'm saying but it's like you know it's entertainment it's summer music you know what I mean like whatever yeah no I get it yeah it's just okay I don't he recently had a, an interview with Nicki Minaj with Angie Martinez mm-hmm. and he was himself saying that it was just like I don't even say words and it's true in the song he doesn't say words it, but it's, it's a like, bop it's like it's, it, alphabet it's kind of, music it's like children's nursery rhymes type of rap flow Ugh. style it is it is it has it's it's whatever so the internet of course went into its rage because people don't like a lot of people don't like 6 9 because he does have allegations against him um or i think he was acquitted from this anyways but he was like 18 at the time the girl he was in a video with and doing stuff with whatever he thought was 17 herself 17 or 18 herself and come to find out she actually lied to him and was 13 which oh. or something along those lines so people Big found difference. it really awkward that Nicki Minaj's brother has his own allegations against him and then you don't really think about the person you're working with with yeah. their own thing and I think that's kind of hard to kind of like put together in that's a sense like it's a little bit that's not Nicki's responsibility though like yeah, yeah like that's that's a lot to put on someone yeah so Regardless of that, uh, Forbes magazine, some gentleman out there who is a contributor to Forbes magazine, wrote an article and said, Nicki Minaj's queen rollout reeks of desperation and hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure to go on our um, Messy Mondays timeline um, on Twitter. You're going to see the article there, too, if you guys haven't read it. Read that article. I mean, it's one person's perspective. That was a little bit more harsher. And when does Forbes write music articles? I I don't know. I know. But he's a contributor and they accepted it and put it in. So it's just interesting. And really, truly, I just hope her rollout doesn't reek of desperation and hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. I really hope that it is. She's took it back to kind of bring it back newer and better, as we hope she will. Yeah. Ultimately, we don't want you to fail, Nikki, regardless of what you think. <laughs> we don't yeah. want you to fail. We want you to try to continue to um, to win. You know what I'm saying? That's just another female um, doing her thing. So why wouldn't we want you to win? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. We want we want her at her best. Yeah. We just want her best to meet maturity. True. True. And shout out shout out to Wanda uh, for for taking the bullets. You know what I mean? Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure a lot, of, team. Yeah, a lot of people feel the same way. <laughs> yes. And then now in the news also, and then this will take us within our special guest we have yeah. later to, later in this episode about drug use. And the headlines were pretty big, and I'm sure no one missed this, where Demi Lovato was recently hospitalized um, for a drug overdose. Yeah. And um, the, the thing is with Demi Lovato, it's like, she's like, okay, she's one of the child stars, right? Yeah. That has been able to stay relevant after her Disney days and all of that. Um, and we all have to come to terms with the fact that these kids that our Disney kids are messed up. Like what is going on? It's to the point that I can understand why, why people may not want their children to get into the industry. Like, this is crazy. Like Lindsay Lohan. Um, what's the other girl's name? The one they used to play Amanda. Um, Oh, Amanda. I was going to say Amanda Seals. It's not her. It's Amanda Bates. I don't know her. I forget her name. I cannot believe it. That she used to play. She was on Nickelodeon. She From all that. All that. Yeah. Yes. I she, think it's a, Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes. There you go. She went batshit crazy too. Um, a, Britney. Britney Spears, uh, Justin Bieber. Like a lot of these kids stars go through a lot. Like and they end up doing a lot of drugs and they're like all messed up. I'm not sure. Even the even Michael Jackson. Like if we go all the way back, it's like it's like really an unhealthy way for children to be raised. And when watching Demi Lovato, you know, come out of her drug addiction and being the spokesperson for a person, a person that's sober, and then all of a sudden be in the headlines again for almost dying from an overdose, it's really alarming that these child stars end up in this path. It is. It's, and if you guys haven't seen, Demi Lovato has a documentary on YouTube that came out maybe last year, the year before, and somewhere no, around the last lines. year. Yeah. And it was amazing. It really dived deep and I've told people to watch it. That one and the Lady Gaga documentary. I've told people to watch it because you really put yourself in their place. Like they're really just people. They're kind of humanized in a sense. Where but also you just kind of don't understand how she got into that place. Well, I mean she does for suffer it. from bipolar disorder. And yes. because she suffers from bipolar disorder um, and I have personal experience with people who have this disease, they try to self-medicate a lot. So part of it is self-medication because they're having a hard time coping with the side effects of their disease. Now, aside from that, she also had a lot of depression as a child. I mean, guys, watch the documentary. All this information is on it. She had a yeah. lot of depression as a child. Her father was an addict. And she had a lot of body image issues. So this was all combined. Like, she was a person who... Who needed to talk to somebody like she just had that unfortunate situation in her personal emotional life even though she was super talented she had problems with her emotions and she had a lot of self-hate and imagery issues and she even admitted that she used to be a manipulator to get her way and yes. she always found ways to continue getting high and she would be high on American Idol and she would be high on tour and she would, you know, this... And drunk also. She was alcohol also. Yeah. Too. So it's like she started in Barney and ended up <laughs> being like a really dark person when she became like an older teenager. Like it's really 
kind of eye-opening you know what I'm yes. saying? To like yeah. to see someone on TV and not really know what's going on behind the scenes. Because that's not what you thought when you would see her on TV ever. Not at all. I don't think she ever displayed that where you would be like, damn, that girl's high on stage. Like you've seen artists would be like, uh, you're a little not on, you're on yeah. something or you forgot to take something. You've seen those <laughs> moments happen yeah. of Kerr, right? Yeah. We've watched it bef- like when Mariah Carey, that one moment that she had on TRL and everyone was like, train wreck. Eh. <laughs> What's happening? Are we, we're watching this all live together. Or even Joel Santana. This. Did you see him being interviewed on MTV? And like no. he couldn't even speak. He was slurring his words. And it looked like he was missing teeth. It looked like he had he had like meth addict teeth. Wow. Yeah, so sad. I've never seen that before. I have to see that. Yeah. So it's like, you're right. There's a point. There's there's You can tell sometimes. Or like when Bobby Brown was coked up. Like you could tell. Yeah. Like his mouth was all twisted. It's like, yo, this dude is coked up. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's, so it's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate that um, she's going through that. And it's unfortunate for anyone who goes through that because another conversation that arises throughout the Twitter, Twitter streets is kind of like how the media kind of portrays one person over the other. You say Lamar Odom overdose and blah 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 and then everyone's like oh he's a crackhead he's a blah 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 this and this you say Demi Lovato overdose and blah 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 poor girl and it's like pray for the girl yeah hope she's okay prayers like that and so that's another area and another subject but we need to consider everyone in their spaces that they're in and how they're fighting this and that this is a mental illness and a disease that people are trying to fight all these layers right so, and it's like she was so convinced that she had taken control like yeah. that's what's the most fascinating to me like i would remember watching this documentary and seeing how convinced this girl was it wasn't that she was convincing us she was convinced herself that she has gotten control over this and yeah. it's like it's so sad to see that you could be that confident in something and you could throw that shit all away just for one high and then once you have that one high it's over like i find that to be such a scary thing man because like she's a millionaire she's successful she's beautiful and she's willing to throw all of that away just for a high like she wrote that song and in the song she's saying that she's no longer sober and she apologizes for that she kind of just it's like a diary. Like she's telling her fans, like, guys, I failed. And this was like a month prior to her having this overdose. She's performed, like, I want to say about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and she forgot her lyrics on stage. It's like, yep. you know what I'm saying? So she was You're already watching showing. the train wreck kind of happen. Exactly. And then they find her passed out cold in her home. Like that could have gone a completely other way. And yeah. it's like, I, I think to myself, the, the reason that her and Wilmer valderrama by the way guys from that 70s show is the reason that they broke up is it because he got away from a person that was toxic or is it because like she claims oh she she needed to become a woman on her own like i don't know now you know what i'm saying i get what you're saying so you or yeah he could he was like he might have been well she needs to and they're very far in age too yeah he's a lot older than she is he's a lot older than she is right yeah yeah Cause she's like maybe twenty six. I want to say. Yeah, she's like twenty six, and he's definitely like mid thirties, late thirties. I think. Yeah, I think yeah, he's a little bit older, and so still hot. You're right. (laughs) Gorgeous man. Is he Colombian, Venezuelan? I don't know. He one of them. He one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) he got that look. He one of them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I think he's Venezuelan. But anyways, um, yeah, he could have probably 
realize that she her he probably said to her she needs to learn how to become a woman herself right right kind of grow into this because when you're in a relationship that was that long and that far in age that's a little bit difficult and you could tell she really loved him the way she talked about it in the documentary um but it's nice that he probably knew that he needed to let her go possibly because of all the things that she's going through and he's the one in the hospital with her now he's there with her now they did say they reported originally um heroin right was the possible use and then they backtracked that or they corrected that from my understanding it wasn't heroin um and that it could be possibly meth yeah 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 which is like super like both of those are heavy or anything is heavy both of them let's not let's not joke ourselves they're heavy Mm-hmm. drugs this mm-hmm. is not weed smoking i thought the girl when no, i watched the like documentary or something you know what i'm saying i or like some shit everybody literally does. when i watched the documentary i thought she was just smoking weed i thought we was talking about weed the entire time you're joking until she Marty. said until she said i was popping pills and i think she mentioned cocaine i said what mm-hmm. I literally screamed at the screen. Marley, no one does documentaries about having an issue with marijuana. I don't no, know if you... I'm going to just confess to you right now. No I'm one telling will ever you, do that. Like, no. I am telling you 100%. I screamed at the computer and I text my sister and my, my sister and my cousins. I said, did y'all know this heifer was on this heavy ass shit? I thought we were just playing games with, with weed. No, of course And a not. little bit of drinking. No, nah. no, she was drinking popping pills. Yeah, no, she was she was, she was doing on a rapper lot of status. stuff. She was doing a lot like, of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like super heavy stuff. So needless to say, you guys should watch the documentary. It's really well done. Mm-hmm. And then that's why this wasn't too much of a shock for me. It hurt. Like not hurt. Like you felt for her. Because you watch the documentary and then you're like, oh, she's doing good. Oh, but whatever. You don't hear anything of it. And then overdose. It's kind of like, damn. It's sad. Like that. It's really sad. sad. You heard that um, Kelly Rowland did the same tattoo that she has. Yeah, she got a henna tattoo on it. Yeah, the same tattoo the um, that uh, Demi Lovato has, which is like a lion, I believe. And mm-hmm. she did it her arm, in, her hand. in honor of Demi Lovato. And I love that you mentioned that. It's crazy how we're like embracing this person that's a drug user. But when Lamar Odom was in a freaking whorehouse with a bunch of prostitutes and od'd and like chloe had to go rescue him we we threw him to the wolves <laughs> to the to the wolves yeah to the wolves and i mean we our own bias right because i think we talked about yeah. it on the, on the podcast you know what i mean and it's just i think we have this i guess lamar odom has always been on that and we've seen him through those struggles but he's never admitted it and i think that's the probably the difference where he was hiding it mm. playing around with it but we knew it i think right? there's other factors too what what is what do you think some other factors are? I think the factors are because number one, he is a black man, and Demi mm-hmm. Lovato is a beautiful light skin Latina. Mm-hmm. I, I'm passing as a, white, right? Passing as white, and she's embracing the white world, and we're gonna call a spade a spade. And you know pop what I'm and it, pop and pop star pop kind of star. status. Mm-hmm. That's one. Um, number two, uh, the agenda to make Chloe look like the victim based on the Kardashian production is part of it too. Because mm. you know that I'm not saying that she was not the victim, but what I'm saying is that they create storylines because they're reality stars. So True. we had to see Chloe's struggle because Chloe's struggle was a good storyline. So we also have a perception of that relationship based on what storyline they've created for us to see. So those factors 
on top of the fact that he was cheating on his wife, on top of the fact that he was disrespectful with it publicly, is not going to allow you to feel bad for him. Yeah. You, we're not going to look at it like Lamar Odom is a person with a disease. We're going to look at it like he's a glutton that just wants to enjoy himself and doesn't care about anybody else. So the way the story was presented to, in both ends really changes the narrative. And that's the truth, in my opinion. At the end of the day, they're both addicts. And we're yes. going to learn with our guests that's about to join our conversation that there's different situations but at the end of the day they're all addicts and everyone needs help and everyone deserves the same amount of help the same amount of uh attention yeah and assisting them to get through it so coming up we do have we're going to call our guests in a few minutes um and talk to rich correct yes um guys we're going to have a great guest his name is rich uh he used to be a counselor in tech at the watershed drug and alcohol addiction treatment center in lake worth florida um he's going to share some of his personal experiences and some of his knowledge and we're pretty excited to have a person with his level of expertise on the show um hello rich Hey, how are you? Um, it's me and Marley, um, and we're so happy that you joined us. So thank you so much for joining our conversation. I know we definitely want to expand and talk about uh, drug abuse problems and the epidemic of it because we know how big of a problem it is here in the United States. And I thought it would be really interesting to hear from your personal experiences and working in that kind of environment and maybe giving us some, some, some knowledge on uh, some of the things that you've witnessed and experienced. people usually judge people with drug abuse problems when people use the word disease it's like people just started to embrace that it's a disease is it is it really something that a person's like suffering from or is it because they chose to start doing yeah. drugs yeah you gotta really embrace it like it's a disease because that's really what it is you know you know this is first of all some, you know, people don't use the term addiction kind of loosely and that's, that's just in my opinion you know what I'm saying you know sometimes people think you know what I'm saying? Just because when they hang out a lot, you know, they're addicted to alcohol or when they smoke a lot of weed, they're addicted to marijuana. You know, you gotta you gotta really understand like what addiction really is and, 
it took for me to like sit down in a meeting one day and listen to like somebody who really broke it down. You know what I mean? And when they broke it down, it made so much sense to me. You know what I mean? Because the way they break it down is like you know you 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 you, you do something that that starts out as fun. You know what I mean? You want to you know try something and it's fun and you know you get into it like that. You know what I mean? And then that's fun. Then that 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 quickly can turn into a habit. You know what I mean? And then when that habit now turns into something called an obsession, you know, it's like that's where the problem is. And when that obsession turns into a way of life, where when you wake up every morning, that's all you think about is where you get that next high from. That's active addiction, and that's when you're an addict. And that's a disease. That's something that there is no cure for. Once you're an addict, you'll be an addict for the rest of your natural born life. So that's why it's categorized as a disease, really. Wow. So what what you're saying is that after you've been diagnosed as an addict, you just have to learn how to maintain your addiction? It's treatment. And treatment comes in a lot of different options. You know what I mean? Um, you know, most, most drug treatment programs, you know what I mean, are going to tell you that, you know what I'm saying, you know, that, you know, they, they follow the what's called a 12-step program. You know what I mean? And... The, the, the thing about 12-step programs is it's faith-based, you know, so you kind of have to embrace the fact that the only way you're going to be able to get over your addiction or the only way you're going to be able to, you know, to, uh, to, 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 to be in recovery is unless you, you embrace the fact that there's a higher power that's going to help you through this, you know what I mean? And that, that could be a problem for a lot of people, but, you know, for the most part, that, that, that really is the, the treatment you know, they, they try to encourage you to, you know, to get a sponsor. You know, they encourage you to, to, you know, to keep going to meetings. You know what I mean? But, you know, as far as, like, treatment, you know, that's basically what you got to do for the rest of your life. So, in, in the meetings, when people go to these meetings, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I've never been to a meeting where people who have substance abuse problems just sit there and talk about it. But I've seen it on TV and you see it in movies. So, we all kind of have an idea but sometimes yeah. I've always wondered, it's like, it seems like a depressing environment to just hear problems. Like, how does that help when you hear people talk about how hard it is to, to deal with it? Well, it, 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 it's not, it, it really isn't. You know, what it is, is, is you're going to hear a lot of testimonials. And you're going to think that your problem or your issue might be unique to you. And then when you hear somebody else echo... You know what I'm saying? Some of the same or similar things that you're going through, it's like, you know, it's like, wow, really? You know, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one that did this or done that. But somebody else has gone through the same things and probably has done things ten times worse than what you have done, you know what I mean, to, to, uh, to deal with their, their problem or their addiction. You know what I'm saying? So those meetings really serve a really good purpose. It's, it's just really just listening to testimonials and, and, and you know, and seeing if you can learn from somebody else's situation, you know, and, 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 and you know, at the end of the day, you know, um, when I used to work with those kids, what I used to do is take them to meetings, you know, because my whole thing is about prevention, you know. All we, I mean, we all know that those programs are really intervention programs, so you're really sitting there listening to people who, you know, they, have, they already, you know, they already become addicts or they already, you know, did what they did, but, you know, if you can sit down and have, you know, have some kids hear what's going on if they decide to go that road, you know what I mean, it, it kind of helps them a little bit more, so, you know, that's, that's the purpose, really, of those meetings, really. 
I believe that I can find it easier to talk to people when it comes to those problems or any problem that you may have. Um, so I think that's how those AA meetings become pretty much beneficial for a person because talking to a stranger is much more easier than talking to a family member who's more judgmental and those kind of things. So I want to know, in these 12-step programs, what happens after or how does you conti- how do you continue it after it or there's more to it after it, correct? Like... You're just not up and left to be on your own. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a holistic kind of approach. You know what I mean? Going to meetings is just one part of it. You really got to really follow those steps. And if you, like, you know, Google 12-step 12 12-step 12 uh, philosophy and Google, like, 12-step programs, you'll see that, you know, step one is really you coming to grips with your addiction and admitting that you have a problem. Step two being, you know, uh, uh, embracing that there's a higher power that's going to, you know, help you through this and and so on and so forth. And, and then, you know, like I said, since, since it's, going, it's, it's something that you're going to be, you know, having to deal with for the rest of your life, you may need to have someone that they, 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 they consider a sponsor. You know what I'm saying? It's that friend who, when you get that urge or when you're going through something and you have this, like, you know, like, like you think that the only way that you're going to be able to cope but what you're going through is by getting high, you can call that person and that person can talk to you and talk you through what you're going through. So, you know, those those, those are really that, 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 that holistic approach, that the treatment that you got to really, you know, be a part of. So, you know, the opening up, really, it, it helps other people. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you're sharing your story, you're sharing your, te- you're sharing your testimony, you know, about what you're going through. And it's going to touch somebody and somebody is going to be sitting there, you know what I mean, like feeling like, wow, you know what? I really thought that I was the only one who felt like this or the only one going through this. And to hear you and hear your story, you know what I'm saying, it's going to uplift them and motivate them. So that's really what those those meetings really, you know what I mean, they, uh, they provide. And I wonder how difficult is it for someone who already has an addictive behavior, right? Like, I've, I've never met like a person who already just the personality is something like yeah. an addictive behavior, right? Like, if they do something, or like, kind of like, already has certain behaviors or personality traits that makes them uh, unique in the sense of like, they don't get addicted to something, like, addicted to something simple, but they're having to go to the gym every day or having to do an X, whatever, something every day, um, as well as like having like maybe OCD and things like that, or certain variations. How does that impact their sobriety as well? Like in a general aspect, if, if they begin drug abuse um, or drug using, and then they're also an addictive behavior. How hard is it for them to kind of remove themselves from? It, it, it's it's very hard. You know, I think, in my opinion, I think addictive people are, are attracted to addictive people. <laughs> that's, yeah, I think that's true. That's just in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I think also, you know, one of the things that they encourage you to do is to stay away from people, places, and things that, you know what I mean, that kind of remind you of your addiction or, or kind of like, you know, those are, those are negative negative Like triggers? That, Exactly. You know, if you know that, you know, these are people who who still get high or these are people who used to get high with, you got to stay away from them. You know, if you know that, you know, if you go to a bar, chances are I'm going to, you know, want to drink. If I go to a club, I'm going to want to drink. You got to stay away from clubs. You know, if you know that, you know, I have a problem when I go into a casino, I'm going to want to gamble. You got to stay away from casinos, you know. But what about... 
what about those people who don't know how to cope? You know what I mean? Like some, most of the time from what I've observed is that it's a coping mechanism to fall to the drugs or to the alcohol or to the, or to the reckless behavior, let's say. And that's their coping mechanisms. And sometimes you can't avoid that. You don't know how to handle bad news or you don't know how to handle tragedy. And then people seek that as a form of therapy. Like I, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that I think that, it is the solution, but I can understand and I can um, be compassionate to a person that says, this is the only way I know how to cope. You know what I mean? So, like, how know, how I does a person... Exactly what you mean. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like, it's like, listen, you know, sometimes when you're a teenager, I'm just, you know, just trying to draw the parallel here, you know, and you have conflict or you have a problem with somebody and the only way you know how to cope or deal with issues is by fighting you know what i'm saying it's going to turn into something physical you know what you got to do is you got to encourage those young people you know what i mean to, to figure out ways how you can you know constructively use that anger and frustration and figure out that you know what i mean you got to resolve this peacefully because if you decide that you're going to have a fist fight with somebody chances are somebody's going to get hurt or somebody's going to go to jail you know what i mean so on the other flip side of the coin, you know what I mean? It's like when someone's telling you that, you know, hey, listen, the only way I know how to deal with issues and what I'm going through is by drugs or alcohol. You know, you're, you're going to have to just keep encouraging them that it has to be another way. Because if you continue going down that road, you're either going to die or you're going to end up in jail. You know what I'm saying? Or you're going to end up in some kind of institution for the rest of your life. And if you want to, if that's your choice, that's your choice. But understand that, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, when you... When you decide that, you know, that's the way you want to live your life, then that's the, that's, that's, those are the three routes that you're going to, you know, have to take. Right. Is there a pattern that you've noticed with people who start doing things like that? Is there like a pattern or is it, is it all just randomness? Pattern, I don't know about a pattern. You know, sometimes they, they want to, you know, uh, label marijuana as like a gateway drug. And it's not. A lot of addicts didn't start out by just using marijuana, you know what I mean? It, it, it can just be, you know, listen, you know, I was I was in a car accident, the doctor prescribed me, you know, some painkillers, and um, from there it just took off, you know what I mean? So I don't know about a pattern. It can be just any different reason that people have or use to just kind of justify, you know what I'm saying, what brought them to where they are. So that's just, you know, what I, what I kind of think. Have, um, so, when it comes to facility or rehab facilities, um, yeah. and I know that in the West Palm area, we're all Floridians, we know there's a large population of, or a lot of facilities within that area. Um, and we know it's like kind of like the central place to go between California and West Palm and like, and I think Colorado, I think has like the most number of facilities for rehabilitation and variations and halfway houses and homes like that. My question is, what is the difference between, um, like, those high-end, like, very costly rehab facilities and then those who, just general folks, everyday life folks, who do have an addiction problem um, that can't afford those big places? Like, where, could they, where do they go? Where, where do they go? Well, obviously, obviously, the high-end ones, <laughs> you know what I mean, are the ones that, that most people have insurance you know what I'm saying? Most, most of the people that are, that are in those high-end uh, 
treatment programs have insurance, insurance that's paying for it. Because you'd be surprised that, you know, they consider that a sickness, they consider that as a, as a, you know, as a disease, and much like, you know what I'm saying, if you were being treated for any kind of, like, you know, like, like physical ailment, you know what I mean? And your, your insurance coverage, your insurance package would cover it. They, they actually cover that. I didn't know that. That's really good to know. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's like, you know, obviously if you're in the high-end ones, you're going to get the best treatment. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get those top-notch counselors and, you know, you know, whatever, you know, psychiatrists or whatever that's going to, you know, help you get through. You know, those counselors that help you get through and walk you through, you know what I'm saying, what you're going through. Because the problem is most, most of that problem that they have is, is deeply rooted. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, you got to talk to somebody that's going to, you know, find the root of that problem and, you know, get help you, help you, you know, deal with some of those things that you, you know, you, you suppressed. And because of you suppressed this and you never dealt with it, you know what I mean? And it led to what it led to, you know, now you got to really deal with it as an adult. But, you know, that's what it is, though. They tell you, though, that, you know what I'm saying, that the day that you became, you know, an, 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 an active addict, is the day you start, you stop growing mentally. So let's just say if you started doing drugs at 16 and you became an addict at 16, that that chronologically you might be 20 or 30 or 40 years old, but mentally you're still 16. Wow, okay. I can see that, yeah. So, I mean, what is the, what is the worst drug that you've seen addictions on from all of them? Well, the worst drug? Oh, my goodness. Um... Ah, I would say, you know, meth and crack. Wow. You know? We, we I mean, you know, we, 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 we see we see the, the crack epidemic, you know, about the crack epi- epidemic and know how, you know, how that has ruined a lot of lives, you know, not just for that addict, but you know what I mean, like like, you know, for everybody else around them. Yeah, you know, the family. Story. Like like I know when my uncle when my uncle was, you know, was, was addicted to crack, you know, in the nineties, you know, um, my aunt, my aunt, you know, who lived in Queens, her husband passed away, you know, and my cousins were like maybe like four or five years old when, when, when her dad passed away, so they never really got to know him, you know what I mean? And all she had left to kind of remember her husband was this freaking wedding band, you know what I'm saying? And when my uncle fucking stole her wedding band and fucking pawned it for crack, I was like, yo, that's just, I mean, yeah. your own sister. I mean, it was just crazy. I, 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 I just think about things that, you know, people who are addicted to crack do and have done and not care about who they hurt. You know what I mean? It's like when you ask what's the worst drug, I, I don't know. I, I would say people who are addicted to crack cocaine. And I would say that 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 mess and that hell on when they start shooting up. Yeah, that's that's some other that's some other level kind of, you know. I'm, I'm scared of needles, so I can't even sell, see how someone just, right. you know, sticking needles, yeah. finding veins and sticking needles all over their, you know, body. Just Everywhere, just, yeah. That's just crazy to me, yeah. And, I mean, they all, people say you can't trust an addict. And it's like, even if they're your own child, like, you just can't trust an addict. They say that. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you can't. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't know, you know, some, 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 some people, it's like, you know, you, 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 you sit there and, you know, you're like, listen, you know, if not for you, for your for your three-year-old daughter that, that's at home right now being raised by her grandmother, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like nothing. It's like, it doesn't matter to them. Like, the only thing that they care about is getting high. So it, it, it's a real crazy 
epidemic and really crazy situation when you really think about it. But, you know, you, you they will do anything, anything to get high. Anything. Doesn't matter who they hurt. Doesn't matter, you know, who's in their life. It, 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 it the, the, the drug trumps everything, pretty much. I am better than anything else for them. Yep. Yep, they're like a bunch of trust. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, have and you... For those who can't afford those those um, those large facilities or, like, expensive facilities, and those who don't have insurance, there's a lot of nonprofits or, like, like other opportunities that they can go to, right? Well, like, you got to understand, even, even, well, you got to understand, even in those high-end facilities, you know what I'm saying, not everybody is there to get sober. Not everybody is there focused on their recovery. There's people still getting high in this facilities, you know? So, whereas in the high-end facilities, you know, might the access and, and, and you know, everything else, you know, when you're still trying to get high, it's still there. You can just imagine in the low-end ones, it's probably easier. You know, you probably have people in there selling drugs, you know what I'm saying? So, wow. it's, it's, yeah, because, you know, the low-end ones, they, they'll, they'll, you know, they have, they have programs where, you know, they, they have, you know, people from off the streets who, you know, who, who probably uh, got court mandated to go there for their treatment. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just a different kind of situation. Now, uh, can you possibly maybe share with us an example of a story that you may have seen um, how how bad a behavior can get for, from an addict? Like, have you seen something? I know that you're, you told us about your family, but, like, when you were working yeah. as a counselor, was there ever yeah. a moment that you're like, wow, like, not, not still, you still don't feel like you should stop doing drugs? You know what I mean? Like, have you ever experienced a moment within yourself that you were like, I can't believe you're still doing drugs? I mean, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen some guys freeze cologne. Freeze cologne. Yeah, like K2. Oh, they yeah. yeah so, so they couldn't get high because they know that if they got high that we would, you know, drug test them. Because, you know, they, they can go out for a few, you know, and then come back. So, you know, you know, we suspect that they were out there getting high, we would drug test them. And they would go out there, they would, you know, smoke that spice, they'll bring it back, smoking in apples and cans and all kind of things. Some of the things I've seen, I'm like, how do you come up with this stuff? Like, who thinks of this? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like <laughs> addicts are super creative, right? Yeah. So, I mean, being that um, a lot of people, well, I live in Miami and uh, cocaine is very popular here. And people think that cocaine is okay because they don't get, quote unquote, addicted to it. They can start and stop and do it casually and do it on the weekends. And I think that, I think that that's a misconception of the reality of cocaine. Well, you know, they, they, they consider cocaine that, that, that party drug. You know, it's like, it's like, all right, you know, most people smoke weed to get high. Okay, you know, when you, you know, when you uh, level up, you know, you, you can, you know, sniff a little coke now because, you know, it, it, it's a level up for marijuana. And it's, it's you know, it, it, it almost always 
I've, I mean, I've smoked weed before, but as far as, like, trying to experiment or trying to, you know, never. You know what I mean? So I can't really tell you, you know, like, what I what I feel like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's just, just that, that that's a tough one for me. Yeah. So, I mean, what about this whole epidemic with now people doing a lot of pills and uh, people finding ways to balance the pills? Like, they'll take a molly and then they'll, they'll smoke a little weed to kind of calm down. And then they might do a line of coke to wake up. And then after that, they'll take, like, another pill. Like, it's like a whole night of just balancing. And um, I've noticed that, that, especially with the younger generation, they feel like they figured it all out and they know how to kind of keep le themselves leveled. Um, yeah. How how do you how do you not fear that your heart's gonna stop at one point? You know, like well, you know, you know, some drugs are uppers, some drugs are downers, and then you know, some 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 people are mixing uppers with downers, the downers with uppers. You know, a lot of a lot of what a lot of the music and a lot of TV and a lot of things that you know these kids are seeing around them is what kind of encouraging them to do this stuff. You know what I'm saying? So you know, it's like. I don't know, you know, trying to fit in or trying to keep up with, with, with you know, with the Joneses or whatever. But, you know, as, as far as, like, you know, like, trying to find balance and all that, like, I, I, could, I couldn't even tell you left or right with that situation. You know, it's like, you know, the only thing I can, I can probably do or probably say is just, you know, like I've been saying, just kind of just, like, you know, encourage you to just find a different, a different, a different, you know, way to... You know, to go have fun, like I said, you know what I mean? If, if, if having fun to you is just always getting high, you got to figure out some different ways to have fun. Now, I do find it interesting that the pill epidemic, the epidemic that's happening now, because I live in Seattle, and here it's a big thing with opioids, um, and those are drugs that in, in most cases that you would probably prescribe at first. So how is that? Yeah. And I know that that's a huge impact. Is that lately, <laughs> excuse me, there's been a huge impact by doctors were kind of pushed to give these drugs away, you know, to meet a certain quota and certain things like that, or have signed up to be a part of this, this pharmacy uh, company and what they're developing and those kind of things. And then they start pushing these drugs um, to people who may not have needed it for an X amount of time. I know for myself, like, I got my wisdom teeth pulled out, and you get, like, a 60 count of, like, of whatever painkiller, and you're just like, that is insane. Right, and you only need, like, 10. I don't, and I didn't even make it, I made it through the weekend with, like, two. Right. Like, it was amazing. And so, do you see a lot of that coming through, like, where people just started, like, on a basic end? Percocet before because I had surgery before and honestly 
that to me is such a strong substance that it's, I don't know how people can, can function and do that on a daily basis. Like I personally think that it's too much because you feel, you don't even feel like you're normal. Like you're like in another space mentally. It's terrible in my opinion, but I know that there's people that they, they take Percocets on a regular basis. would you give our listeners rich as to how do you notice that you have a problem because sometimes people think that they're they're okay because they're managing and they still go to work and you know they're still doing their thing and they're raising their kids how is it that a person can recognize hey i'm developing an addiction like what are the signs that it's like you know what i have a problem well like you just said you know most people can you know can you know function still go to work and still do the things that they have to do you know what I mean? To, to get by or get through the day. And, you know, it's like, you know, whatever whatever drug of choice it is, it, it doesn't take over. You know what I'm saying? But like I said before, you know, when you wake up every day and you're going to find some way to get high, you know what I mean? Even if you're on the job and you got to go in the bathroom and shoot up, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you're a functional addict. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you have to recognize that at first. And then, then, then there's going to be signs. I mean... You know, sooner or later, you know, you're going to start showing up late or not showing up at all or, you know what I mean, you're going to realize that your problem is really, you know, it, it's coming first when it comes to certain things and you're, you're going to have to deal with that situation. Okay. And um, do you recommend if you, if anyone's listening and they're going through something like this, do you recommend that they just like look for help online or is there like a way that you can start? Cause sometimes people are embarrassed, you know? So what would be a good first step? Yeah, you gotta seek help. You gotta seek help. Cause you know what I mean? At the end of the day, there, there are people who are professionals, you know, treatment counselors and, you know, psychiatrists and, you know, what have you. But, uh, you know, you would, you definitely need to check yourself in a, in a treatment center and get the help you need, you know, from a professional, um, you know, some people think that, you know, that they can just stop when they want to. And most people, they, they can't. You know what I'm saying? It's going to take more than just that willpower or mind power that you think you have. It's going to take more than that. So you really need to seek professional help. I would encourage anybody who, you know, finds themselves addicted to, addicted, excuse me, to either, you know, drugs or alcohol to find some kind of help and find some kind of treatment center, you know, to help you, you know, go through that. Well, thank you so much, Rich. We really appreciate you taking the time to have the conversation with us. It was really um, enriching to everyone. I think that, like we all mentioned, everyone always knows at least one person who has battled with addiction some way or somehow, or even seen a local person that's homeless that's a drug addict. That's normally what you see when you see a homeless person. For the most part, a lot of them have a substance abuse problem. So Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Yeah, so we see it. Even if you don't know someone, you've seen it somehow. So I, I appreciate you taking the time, you know, to speak with me and Marley about a subject that is taboo, but it, sh- it really should not be because it's very common. And I, it doesn't uh-huh. seem like it, it matters on what your economic class is because it no. seems like poor people, rich people, famous people no, all deal with this. Yeah. 
Absolutely right. Don't not discriminate. Well, thank you for having me, and it was a pleasure, you know? Awesome. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. We'll speak to you soon, Rich. Bye. Well, you know what? I'm I'm really grateful that, that Rich, you know, you know, spoke to us. And, like, I, I know him personally, so he's a really cool guy. Like, he's one of those people that, like, he's really friendly and accepting to everyone, regardless of where their background or what their situation mm-hmm. is. And now that I know what he did professionally, it kind of explains why he's one of His those... personality? Yeah, exactly. And it's like... Yeah. Um, it, it shows you when a person kind of understands human behavior and just sees people for their weaknesses not in a bad way but in a way of compassion like they are good friends you know what i'm saying because they kind of understand you you know and i and I, i think rich is a good guy so i really am glad that you know, he shared a little bit about himself and he's a stand-up gentleman for sure. That's awesome. He sounds like that and he sounds like a stand-up person. And usually those people who are good people on a regular basis do a really good job in their jobs they do as a professional. Right. Right. And they make you feel a little bit more comfortable if you're going to explain things, you're going to share things in those circles that you have yeah. um, for AA and those kind of things. You're more open to it because you can tell he is a genuine person. Yeah. Like a judgment-free person. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that's what we need more of, especially more men within those social work kind of aspects. There's a lot of women in social work and mental health spaces, but a lot of men are needed out there because a lot of other men need to participate in that. As right, well. exactly. And also, at the end of the day, um, people who struggle from mental health are not they're not very willing to come to terms with that. You know what I'm saying? And there's a bigger issue here. If you're dealing with with really, really, really low, low days, guys, really low days, and you don't want to get up from bed, let's say, you need to start coming to terms with the fact that you might need some help. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And it's like, these are the type of conversations that people need to have out loud because no one talks about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, everyone has bad days. Everybody has bad months. Like, it can happen, but it shouldn't happen to the point that, like, you can't function. And like like Rich mentioned in the in the conversation, you should not think of getting high as soon as you wake up. You know? Oof, no. That's pretty scary. That's that's definitely scary. And I think for us and like Latino communities, um, black communities, just areas and spaces of color, we have weren't always accepting. I think our parents aren't very accepting of these things of finding help, getting help and those kind of things when it comes to like depression and illnesses and, you know, things of mental health. And I'm glad that our generation is way more open to that and accepting of it. Yeah, because we were very much affected by things of the past like or of it, it's like embarrassing to like admit that like one of your kids is suffering from depression like they don't want to say that suffering from anything yeah i know people grown adults and we know what their child who is an adult like me is suffering from but their parents don't use the words to say my son my child my daughter has this and this they don't right. tell anyone we need help anyone have resources you know, these kind of things. They don't say that they're embarrassed to. But we and this generation, we're well aware of what's happening. Like, you know what right. I mean? And know how to find those resources now. Right. And I think it's just all because of how school has kind of treated us a little bit def- differently. A lot of kids grew up with ADHD and all these drugs and things like that. Well, let's not get started in that. Kids. Yeah. That was <laughs> As, just, uh, that was an agenda. I'm sorry. That's, that's an epi- But I'm saying that has an effect of everything yeah. now. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why the mental health portion of seeking help and talking to people and resources is important now for our generation. And I think we're going to do a great job passing that on. Yeah. 
to our kids. Right. And and making sure the help and the direction. And coming to, to terms great. with the fact that um, little kids sometimes do get too sad. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It, it's not something that happens when you're, you know, 25 after you got uh, your heart broken. No, like children suffer from things like that. Like I even have a friend that her son is beyond the loner. You know how there's really? loner kids? Like this uh-huh. kid doesn't even like to like interact. And I was explaining to her, I'm like, I'm not saying that something's wrong with your son, but I think that you should start paying attention to that. Like, it's not like something you should just be like, oh, you know, he's shy. Yeah, shy is one thing, uh-huh. but him to be like against the world is, is something that you should pay attention to. Definitely. And I have I have friends who have started taking their kids to therapy because they themselves have been through situations or matters that they think or feel or something that in the household that may have affected their child. And I thought it was fantastic for if, if, if that person as a mother or father couldn't get through their child in conversation, they were aware and fully comprehended the fact that my child won't open to me. Hopefully my child can open to someone else. Right. 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 To put that into effect early and to impact that early so that the future is just more brighter for that child and when they grow to teenagers or adults. So mental health, again, right. is very important, folks. Messy right. Messy very important. And it can avoid these addiction problems because there is a correlation between the two. You know what I'm saying? And, and mm-hmm. seeking some type of validation or seeking some type of escape is normally the trend that I've noticed when people do a lot of drugs. They're trying to escape. So um, uh, living in reality is, is always better even though you may not believe it is. Yep, mm-hmm. very true. And on that note, thank you guys for joining us. Messy and thank Mondays. you for listening to Messy Mondays podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to email us, email us at messymondayspod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Messy Mondays Podcast. Find us on Instagram at Messy Mondays Podcast. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeart. I don't think we're on title yet. I'm working on that. It's a lot of effort. YouTube. Spotify. The YouTube page. And we're working on something special for YouTube for hopefully sometime next week yeah. or the week after. Um, and Messy yeah, Mondays. everywhere else, anywhere else you can listen to podcasts at. Yes, and make sure to follow myself at S-H-O-M-I underscore E-N-T on Instagram and Marley at love Marley underscore. Um, not only can you guys get information Messy through our Mondays. Messy Mondays Instagram pages, but if you follow me and Marley, you'll get to know us as well. And I'm pretty sure that you guys like all of our little posts and stories and we always keep you informed on sometimes what the next topic is going to be on the podcast based on some of the things that we're interested in. Um, We also do get communicated with through our personal IGs so people can try to chime in on our conversations, be guests on the podcast. Um, And we have no problem. We have no hesitation with cross-promoting. We would love for you guys to be a part of the growth and the movement. And if you guys think that there's someone that should be on the podcast, you guys can also recommend Yes. Ooh. I would love recommendations and see what people come up with. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> what do you think fits with us? All right. And thank you guys for joining. Thank you. And thank you for showing up to listen to another episode. Your girl, Marley Mar. Messy Mondays. Your girl, Marley